listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us this hour. So much going on this hour. Lots to talk about. We are going to get you live to New York. An update on the Harvey Weinstein rape uh, verdicts with a partial victory for the prosecution. However, Mr. Weinstein acquitted of the most serious charges against him. As soon as we get a live update from outside the courtroom, cameras are rolling Right now, we will take you to that and get you the update. Plus, we are going to talk about what's happening in the education system. You may have heard about Phase 6 on the way. Then there's Phase 7. I don't know what phase you're in. I'm in Phase Frustrated. I've been there for a while. On Friday, of course, we were live at that protest outside of Queen's Park. Interesting. Here's the headline. you got to know if you've got kids in the elementary system, no strike days for the next two weeks. None. So you don't have to do any planning for the next two weeks. But after that, phase seven, baby, watch out. Phase seven. You ain't seen nothing till you've seen phase seven. What's in phase seven? Well, we're not going to tell you. That's actually what the union had to say today. We're going to dig into that a little bit later on. But let's find out what's going on east of the city in Belleville. That, of course, is breaking news story as the OPP has moved in has made some arrests. I want to take this audio from Camille Karamali's Twitter feed earlier this morning. And what you will hear here is an OPP uh, truck, a detention vehicle. I think at some point in the world we, we called them paddy wagons. You can't say that anymore. No, don't say that. But it is a detention truck. People with uh, their, their hands bound had been loaded into the truck, and it drives past. Here is Camille Karamali's Twitter feed of the audio as that truck Drives past. Listen closely. That is the thumping and screaming of people from inside that van as it drives away. That is this morning uh, near the blockade east of Belleville and our Morgan Campbell is there and has been covering this for us, and I want to go live to her now to find out what is going on. First of all, Morgan, where are you? Hey, Alan, I'm at the uh, I, I'm at the line. I'm watching police as they uh, continue to communicate with demonstrators that arrive on scene that are that are still on scene. Rather, um, CN Rail has moved in. Uh, it looks, it would appear like they are inspecting. The tracks at this point, they have a couple different crews on site. The demonstrators, the ones that are remaining, um, are on the north side of the tracks, uh, and uh, police have kind of cleared that way. So they're not they're not as close as they were. Um, and uh, CN rail trucks are kind of going up and down the tracks right now. We're keeping our eye on the possibility of other protests uh, popping up uh, around the country. There has been a protest in Ottawa. I know from your reporting previously that there were two places where the blockade existed in this area. Are they both clear now? Uh, The second one is still going. Uh, We call that Camp B. That's what we've referred to it uh, as. Our David Aiken is over at that one, Global National. He actually posted a video on Twitter of a tire fire. Uh, thick black smoke in the in the air. I've been being told um, by a source close to this investigation that um, the OPP will be going to that camp. Now they are all loaded up in these big, huge black sprinter vans. To paint a bit of a picture for the listeners, 
um, they just kept piling out. I mean, it, we're talking dozens and dozens of officers. I was told last night um, that, the, that some of these folks came in from, from across the province to work on this, um, and they are all kind of on, on standby mode, parked in those uh, vehicles um, and, and haven't quite left yet. So we do have eyes on the other camp. And it just appears right now they're having a fire. Now, with that being said, though, Alan, I think it's important to point out that that camp is on actual Mohawk territory. Um, It is not on the rails. It is near the rails. Um, But it's at the end of a laneway. So whether or not um, they consider that um, too close, I think we're really going to have to wait until we have, uh, you know, uh, some dialogue with the OPP. You, you mentioned that video that David Aiken had posted. I, I watched that, and it does seem like that fire is awful close to the rail line. It is. It is. So, like I said, uh, they do have these crews right now, as we speak, Alan, on standby. Uh, they're they're in the their vans, the, these large sprinter vans. And uh, I, they just had lunch. I see that they brought some, some food and, and beverages in. And uh, at this point, we're just waiting for them to pull out because it's more than likely that they're going straight there. Do we know how many people were arrested at the uh, blockade where you are? You know, police really um, tried to obstruct our view. Uh, they parked these large uh, prisoner transport vans um, in the middle of the road. I guess in their defense, there really wasn't uh, anywhere else to park them. This is a rather small rural road, um, and uh, and they went in. So we were counting anywhere between six and eight. Again, no final numbers on that. I, I, I'm not sure. We did see that they are being bound. They were bound by um, what appeared to be um, uh, maybe zip ties, um, but again. We were far. Uh, we were a few hundred meters back. We actually were in, in a field uh, to get a better uh, to get a better line of sight as to what was going on. And there was a complaint made by the owner of the field as all the networks started uh, broadcasting live, and BOPP uh, asked us to leave because we were trespassing. So we were back onto the road. Yeah, and I watched some of that video coming from your source this morning, and. Often with the camera, you know, you can see a lot more than you can with the naked eye. And you could see officers, uh, as you were saying, zip-tying the hands of several of the protesters who were standing there. But what I did find interesting, and and this is, you know, sort of part of all of this, Morgan, is that the, the officers that you talk about are not, from what I've seen, very heavily armed. They don't look like tactical officers. No. They're not, you know, they're not in riot gear. They're... I mean, they're not plain clothes, but they're just sort of regularly dressed police officers. Now, just because that's what uh, what you've noticed, it doesn't mean that those tactical officers aren't there. Actually, I'm looking at a van full of them dressed in full camo. So, right. But are they keeping they them out of sight? Because that can be they a provocation. Are. They are. Um, let me tell you, though, you know, while one of the demonstrators uh, was being arrested, We looked through the camera lens, and you could see that the police officer and uh, the demonstrator were laughing. So it's 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 hard to say, right? Because um, I think that that the police here have tried to to make this, you know, rather peaceful and cordial. That's what uh, that's the messaging that the OPP has been putting out, um, you know, since February 6th when this began. 
and that they wanted a peaceful resolution to this demonstration. Um, but you know, it, it was it was plain uh, plain and clear, you know, that these rail blockades had to come down. So um, I wouldn't say that there was. Um, an abundance of, of uh, police, uh, you know, police force. But um, other video that's posted from inside the camp, I mean, I guess that's really up to, to uh, individual interpretation, Alan. I mean, you know, I, I think the, the, the fear that we all have is that there would be some image that would come out of this that would stoke more division, stoke more... Yeah. Uh, problems because easily you could see how that would happen you know the the power of the image and that something you know you know protesters being carted off violently would just mean that the situation is further inflamed and you would just see more blockades in different places absolutely and and i think that that was that was the sense um even last night i think that the opp has kind of kept that in the back of their minds well um last night pretty quiet it almost seemed like it was the you know a last party you could hear some singing and drumming and (laughs) and people kind of like hooting and hollering a little bit but um you know the opp they were just kind of back at a distance um and you know let's let's be honest they i they they know that they they knew at that point i mean that they went past their immunity, um, you know, that they uh, didn't fulfill the, the deal that was, you know, they didn't accept the deal, rather, that was on the table. Um, the only interaction that uh, that we had with anybody last night was a woman in a van who drove up to the media line and just kind of started yelling obscenities. Uh, so, I mean, other than that, it was, it was actually just a rather peaceful appearance peaceful evening and i think it's important to point out for the listeners that much of this demonstration has been just that you know it's a community that's come together um with the same with the same uh with the same beliefs with the same um end goal and uh you know they've they haven't been causing you know huge issues it's it's uh they've been you know for the most part um somewhat easy to work with things have been challenging at times but um for the most part i would say pretty easy to work with alan morgan campbell is a global news reporter we'll leave it there morgan looking forward to your report tonight on global news at 5 30 and 6 thanks for being on the program as always thanks for having me alan all right when we come back i'm going to take you back there our camille caramali i played a little bit of his twitter feed he has also got a perspective a beat on all that is happening there plus i'm going to give you my perspective On what's happening here, because I think that there is a divide, not only in the nation, on how the prime minister has responded. But I think I want to ask some tough questions about if you were in this place. I mean, regardless who you blame for it getting to this point, how do you get out of it? I talked about the fact that, you know, if there was some kind of incendiary visual that would come out of today, how that would fuel more protest and take us in a dark places, I think, as a nation. Oh, oh man, my stomach, my stomach hurts a little bit from the plunge, the Dow plunge. The Dow is down a thousand points already this morning in trading because of fears of COVID-19. I'm going to get you more details on the latest information on COVID-19, the fact we have a new case 
and what's going on around the world and a look at the markets. And why is it that, I mean, this is not a new thing. So why is it that last week the market was at dizzying heights and now all of a sudden everybody's gripped with the fear? I got the fear. I got the panic. Market down sharply. Please remain calm. So I will obviously investors a little jittery this morning. Little jittery now that we've turned to it this afternoon. Also, we're going to talk more about the Elementary Teachers Federation and their new tactics. We're into phase, what is it, phase six, then we get phase seven, phase are set on stun, so on and so forth. But I want to begin with what's going on east of the city and the protesters arrested and taken away uh, from the blockades just outside of Belleville. In our last segment, we had Morgan Campbell on, and we're talking a lot about how it was that the government was going to handle this very, very slowly. You had the OPP last night saying, okay, you got a midnight deadline, and then if you're not going to go out, well, we're not coming in in the, in the middle of the night, but we're going to slowly move in and try and do it as peacefully as possible. As possible. And I, I really have a sense that a lot of you who are listening right now are saying, this is ridiculous. Why is it taking this many weeks to get to this This is the prime minister's fault. The prime minister could have shown a lot of leadership and moved in a lot earlier. Well, I will take off the table who you think is responsible for getting us to this point. But I will tell you that once you're in the pickle, how are you going to get out? And the prime minister had a very limited range of options. And I think that there's been a couple of assessments of this, and I think this one is pretty much bang on, is that... By delaying, by being soft in the beginning, even though he has opened himself up to criticism from the right, that he allowed, he gave himself some political capital to get to where we are today, which so far appears to be a relatively peaceful and calm de-escalation of this crisis. Our Camille Karamali has been on scene, I believe, all night long, joins me on the line now. Hey, Camille. Hey, I, I won't lie. I did get uh, a quick cat nap, I think, between 3 and 4 a.m., so I am slacking a little bit. I apologize. Typical. But, uh, Millennial. Yeah, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Got to pay that rent, right? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Is my assessment correct, Camille, that, you know, that, that this has been a, a very soft sort of uh, projection of power and that that has helped to keep the visuals, at least up this point, to, you know, very calm? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I was here last weekend when uh, Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller was down here, and uh, he almost uh, seemed like uh, he had his hat in his hand and, and was approaching them in, in almost an uh, apologetic manner, even to begin with. His body, languages was very, his body language rather was very subdued, and, and uh, he, he uh, you know, spoke of reconciliation and, and helping uh, the uh, um, Tyandanega Mohawk uh, First Nation get some of those um, resources that they've been asking for, including better water treatment, uh, seeing that there's been a boil water advisory for many parts of this area for quite some time. So, uh, you know, it's it's been a, a softer, more peaceful approach. And then I think Friday, uh, that's the harshest we've heard Trudeau so far speak of uh, ending this blockade. And uh, then we know the 1159 deadline uh, was invoked. And uh, even even OPP have had a press release sent out 
after uh, they uh, kind of barged in here and started tearing down the camp. And uh, they said, you know, and, and they, even they used some, you know, stern language that we haven't heard from them regarding. Uh, really barged, though? You, you used the word barged. Did they really? I mean, is it, well, it seemed I, like they kind of, you know, kind of wandered up and said, hey, do you mind? You know what? I, I would use the word barge because the thing is, uh, there was there was the a warning uh, about after 1159 that something would come down, but they never gave a time. And things were so quiet here, Alan, you could hear a pin drop. And then all of a sudden, sirens and just a, a, a barrage of vehicles just making their way down this narrow gravel road, uh, you know, dirt kicking up, flying up. They rolled up and then they used a couple of vehicles to block the media's line of sight, which we were very critical of because they, uh, you know, uh, and this is a pretty safe assumption that they did not want us to see what was going on behind on the other side where the camps were. And we actually had to depend on a Facebook Live uh, a post that came through from one of the protesters that we were watching to see some of the more physical altercations when the arrests happened, when people were uh, taken down and then handcuffed. So we didn't get to see that. All we saw were at least two people being walked out uh, from the side of the vehicles and then being put in those um, OPP uh, trucks to be taken down to the closest detachment. But when it comes to the physical altercations, we even moved to the side to this grassy, snowy field to try to see around the trucks and then the OPP officers pushed us back onto the narrow uh, roadway. So we're very critical of also how the OPP have been hurting the media and limiting us to what we can and can't see. And we clearly, they clearly didn't want us to see some of the more physical arrests that they had made. Camille Karamali, we've got to leave it there. We have some breaking news coming out of New York. Looking forward to your coverage tonight. And I will, I will say that you, the, the use of barge was correct. I will give you All that. All right. Always a pleasure, Alan. Good use of a verb. All right, Camille Caramali, <laughs> appreciate that. Let's get you to New York now. We're getting a live update on the conviction of Harvey Weinstein of performing a criminal sex act and third-degree rape, but an acquittal on the more serious charges. Let's take you live to New York. Are you feel in some way you came up short? You just mentioned could be as little as five years. Well, I'm certainly not dissatisfied by the verdict. I think this was a very difficult case. Uh, a very challenging case, uh, and a case that uh, really moved our understanding of what sexual assault is, where it can occur, shattered myths that I think have been part of the criminal justice system for a long time. So I believe a B felony conviction with a maximum of up to 25 years uh, is, uh, is, it, it is not the top counts in the indictment, but by no means uh, do I, am I disappointed uh, with the jury's unanimous statement that Harvey Weinstein is guilty of sexual assault and rape. That is Manhattan DA signed Any other Vance questions? Jr. Uh, some of the women like Annabella Shore and Jessica Mann, it appears the jury repudiated their testimony. Do you have any concerns that women are going to have to endure such terrible cross-examination that they endured at the hands of Weinstein's lawyers? Well, I think with regard to Jessica Mann, Harvey Weinstein was commit, was convicted for rape in the third degree. Right. Uh, uh, Ms. Shiora took great risk and was in substantial pain testifying about what happened to her uh, many years ago. 
I can't look behind the jury's verdict uh, or how they arrived at that. Uh, we have to respect that process. But by no means is it a statement uh, against Ms. Shura or uh, against anything that she said in court. Jurors find a way through to a solution that they believe adequately brings them all together with the unanimous verdict. In terms of the cross-examination, uh, I think we saw cross-examination uh, the, the kinds that we've seen for years and years and years. I hope that with this verdict, uh, it will become more obvious that those kinds of attacks on the, on the survivors and victims when they're on the stand, uh, making it seem like it's all their fault, uh, will be realized as legal attacks that just simply are no longer going to work in this day and age, and it's time that lawyers stop using them and continuing uh, the myths uh, that I think the jury verdict busted today. That is Manhattan DA Cy Vance Jr. speaking following the conviction of Harvey Weinstein on several of the charges against him, but not the most serious. Mr. Weinstein will be remanded in custody pending a sentencing hearing that will happen on March 11th. Stay with Global News Radio for more on this breaking news situation. Are we at a turning point worldwide because of coronavirus? Or what, wait a minute, what's that called again? COVID-19. Ah, right. And what does it stand for? C-O-V-I-D hyphen one nine. One nine. That is the director, director general of the World Health Organization, COVID-19. Tests have confirmed that a woman in her 20s who recently returned to Toronto from China has COVID-19. City and provincial health officials say her illness just mild. But Canada's chief public health officer, Dr. Teresa Tam, says the most recent spread of the virus through countries outside of China is troubling. And it shows that governments and healthcare providers here must be prepared because the illness could spread widely outside of China. So even though we're seeing a decrease in the number of new cases within central China, We are now beginning to see what health officials have predicted, which is that it will spread elsewhere. And that is causing all kinds of concerns. Let's turn our minds to the Dow Jones. Let's check the Dow Jones right now. Down 966 points from the open. That is the third largest one-day drop, I believe, in the last 10 to 15 years at least. So suddenly the impact on the world economy begins. As COVID-19 moves beyond just a problem in China, now we're seeing reactions in Europe and in other countries. Let me just give you a quick roundup of some of the headlines. South Korea. In South Korea, soccer authorities have now indefinitely postponed the beginning of the 2020 soccer season in that country. The domestic season now indefinitely postponed. The outbreak has killed at least a dozen people in Iran as of Monday. That according to state news outlets. The country's deputy health minister saying 61 people have tested positive for the virus. And Tehran has now announced a week-long closure of schools, universities, cultural centers, all in an effort to curb the outbreak. In Italy, Italy has locked down 50,000 people in 10 towns to try and contain coronavirus. 
A fifth person has died there because of the virus. A growing nervousness is pervading the entire European continent. Officials in nearby countries pledging to keep the outbreak from spreading further. But yet now we have fear beginning to move through these countries in a way that we haven't seen up until now. Protests in Romania, fires burning. In Italy, as of today, the number of cases, 219. In Thailand, authorities there taking steps to wield emergency legal powers to try and control the spread of the new virus. The measure would authorize disease control officials to issue orders to quarantine and to detain infected people. And how about this? Also in Italy, in a last-minute change, Giorgio Armani has now held his Milan Fashion Week runway show behind closed doors. Forget about it. So now you can't see the latest fashions. You don't get the haute couture in person because everybody's wearing a mask. Maybe you get like a Gucci-style mask. Maybe I get one of those. Maybe a, maybe a sweet Chanel, you know, the Chanel logo right on my face on a mask form. But this is what we've come to. Now, even Armani is saying it's just not prudent to have groups of people all together. The Fashion House saying in a statement, the decision was taken to safeguard the well-being of guests by not having them attend crowded spaces. In other words, they knew that nobody was going to show up. So the ripple-out effect here, you know, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about xenophobia, but fear about not spreading these things. But we have reached a tipping point with COVID-19 where now the fear after weeks and weeks of coverage of dystopian images coming from China, of people across the world being locked down, of people in cruise ships, which turn out to be incubators for the virus, and then they release off and where do they go? And more and more we're told, oh, it's okay. Yeah, we got one more case here. Fine, mild, it's not, no problem. But that is at odds with what we increasingly see and hear from around the world. And many people saying now that what's happening in Europe, this is the greatest crisis since the, the refugee situation where all the refugees fleeing Syria started showing up on the shores of Europe trying to find safe haven. And that, completely changed politics in Europe. What is this going to do? How will this ripple out? As we watch the Dow, as again I've said, last number now still 966 points down. It may bounce back today. This may just be a chance to take some profits because just last week we were at all-time highs. We're just, you know, rocketing up. So maybe this is just an opportunity for people to say, yeah, well, maybe now's a good time to take the cash out. And then over, after a week, it'll just bounce right back. Or is it the beginning of something more significant? You cannot have a major slowdown of economy like China that doesn't have a worldwide impact right around the world. The next couple of weeks, and even the next week itself, is going to be critical for able to message to people that we're over the worst of it. You know, you're seeing that messaging from China. They're going to sort of ease back on the restrictions in Hubei province. But then they said, they actually announced that in China. So we're going to, if things are going to get better in Wuhan, you're going to be able to go out. And they nope, sorry, we made a mistake. 
So we are at this tipping point worldwide. And things are not looking great. This is not a great Monday morning story, folks. Another thing to keep your eye on. Man, a lot of depressing stuff going on out there, but I tell you what, I tell you, this is some good news. If you have kids in the elementary system, no strike days for the next two weeks. And I know that's a big weight off of my mind. I got a grade six, or I got a boy in grade six, uh, and he needs to be in school. He has missed so much school in the last month. It has, I think it's, it's had an impact on us as a family. Uh, it's had an impact on him. You know, he's he's a grade six, right? So he's like the, the the big kid on campus right now. He's he's got a bit of swagger to him, and you know, he's finally come into the point where he's like, you know what? You know, maybe this learning thing is not all that bad. Uh, next year, when he goes to grade seven, that'll be beaten out of him violently. But for right now, you know, it's important that I think he gets some of that confidence that you know, can draw down on for the next couple of years when things get a little rougher in seven, eight, and nine. But I want to take you to the politics of what happened today. Let's go to question period. Here is Doug Ford with his central premise on all of this is that he is listening to you, the parent. I talk to parents every single day, like each and every one of us. And I'm just saying what I hear. Keep going. Do not back down. There has to be accountability for the first time in 15 years. That's what I'm hearing, Mr. Speaker. That is Doug Ford in the House. Do not back down. Is that the message that parents are sending to the Premier? Meanwhile, the head of the Elementary Teachers Federation holding a news conference shortly after that was happening this morning. Sam Hammond saying that, as I mentioned, no strikes for the next two weeks. And what? Well, wait a minute. Then what are you doing? What's the strategy from here? We are refocusing our members' engagement and mobilization in a different way over this two-week uh, two-week period. We think it's time that we move to the kind of political action on the ground, online, and in constituency uh, in ridings across the province to put a different kind of pressure uh, on this government. That is Sam Hammond, the president of the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, explaining what phase, what are we, phase six? Yeah, phase six is. Because they just keep going with these incremental changes. But wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. If if phase five was taking kids out of class two days a week, one rotating strike, one province-wide strike, how is it that the next phase is less of an impact? Well, I think that the play here is what I've explained before. As much low-level pain as possible for the longest amount of time. Because the unions believe that the Ford government cannot stomach it. And so that if they go out and strike all together, then next thing you know, we have the school year declared in jeopardy and the government has the opportunity then to legislate teachers back to work. So the, the union plan here is don't let that happen. So, all right, we'll take our foot off the gas here. And then oh, on March 9th, they're threatening phase seven. Phase seven, people, look out. Phase seven. What's phase seven going to be? Well, the union wouldn't answer. What? So what is the strategy behind all of this, Sam Hammond? Let, let me be clear. Everything we do is strategic. This is not our first rodeo. One, one of the no things kidding. that we needed to uh, confirm over uh, the last few weeks uh, and to maintain was absolutely uh, the support 
uh, of parents, and it's there. Sam Hammond speaking this morning. Did you read between the lines there? So the unions realize that two days a week, at least ETFO, and ETFO is the most militant of all the unions, that ETFO realizes they cannot sustain two days a week because they're going to lose parents. So now what are they going to do? We'll take two weeks off. We'll let you get back to class, put the kids back in, and then one week before the March break, bam, phase seven. What is phase seven? We don't know. Not going to tell us. So what is the end game here? The government doesn't seem to have one. It has to wait. I don't know if you know this. I talked about the school year being in jeopardy. There is a small independent panel, this body, this independent body that the minister has to apply to and say, hey, listen, I think the school year's in jeopardy. What do you think? And then the panel has to say, yeah, you're right, minister. And that has to happen before the government can order them back to work to stop all of this. We are a long, long way from that. Do you like the radio? Do you listen to the radio in the morning? Do you get up in the morning and you say to yourself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to flip on the radio and listen. I love radio. And you know, I've been a TV guy for decades. And in the last year, uh, I've somehow managed to convince the powers that be to let me have a microphone for an hour a day. And I have had just an absolute ball at it. And I have such respect for those that can do it and know what they're doing. And that does not include my next guests. Uh, the B team is Shauna, Chris, and Jay, and they began this morning a new morning radio show on 102.1 The Edge, and so thrilled to have you guys here. Hello. Hello. The B team. Yes. A lot of people, I think, were expecting huge names to fill the slot that we just filled. We have to point that out right away. We want this station to be the absolute best it can. We all grew up listening to it in its absolute prime, and that's where we want to get it. Uh, the station might not want that because they hired us, though. That's where we're at right now. We're not necessarily the, the most well-known morning show in Canada. We do come from a different part of Ontario, originally uh, cut our teeth in Hamilton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a hammer sort of overtaking the six. This is the hammer moving in. I don't know if we were supposed to say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Toronto doesn't love Hamilton, that's for sure, but we do love Toronto. I was born in, you know, I was born in Toronto, St. Joseph's Hospital. Uh, you know, I like to say that I was a fat baby, and now I'm a fat man, and I happen in this city. So, uh, the, the fatness happened in this city? Yeah. Everything, a, lot of, really. a lot of things happened. Uh, There's many great restaurants here. It's a lot of good eating here. Yeah. So much good eating. There's a ton of it. So, uh, we've taken advantage of that. But we, you know, we love. Southern Ontario, and, and we want to speak to everyone. So. That's right. Uh, how do you how are you guys going to handle news in the morning? How do you like? I just went through a huge rant right there. How, how you gonna, how do you handle that? You well, want to do it for us? <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I was, you know, I, I love. I'll take all the bandwidth I can get. I took notes, and we're going to basically said what you just said verbatim tomorrow morning <laughs> yeah. at six a.m. So Absolutely. A few of our producers could send us a, a copy of their show or a clip. Most of it really be great for us. Uh, you mentioned 102.1 The Edge, and, you know, I, I talk about radio being so important, and, you know, it was so formulative to me, and I think to a lot of us, you know, listening to CFNY back in the day. I mean, it really it really formed who I am, and and yeah. so, it, you know, it can really have such an impact on, on kids, on on people. It, it, it's emotional. Oh, absolutely, and that's what, we're, that's what we're feeling is this, I don't know if it's pressure or just this this honor to sort of take it back to where that where it was. Everyone in the city wants to wants it to be where it was before. 
When when that was firing on full cylinders, we had some of the best stuff in the world. Edge Fest, the Casbys. We made radio mainstream back then, and that's where I think we need to get again. And some of the best broadcasters in the entire country fell in love with radio because of CFNY. Rush wrote a yeah. song about it when yeah. it was Spirit of Radio. Well, I wanted to ask that was my next question. When you hear that term, yeah. the Spirit of Radio, what does the Spirit of Radio mean to you? It means so much. It Spirit of Radio is what got me into radio. I was tired of teachers telling me I couldn't find a job where I could talk all the time. I was tired of getting to my um, to my tire warehouse job and slinging 1,200 tires a day while I listen to these people have the best time I've ever heard on the yeah. radio. And that's all I ever wanted. And all I ever wanted was to be on 102.1 The Edge. And today was that dream. CFNY, 102.1 The Edge, They there is a... It's unique in the sense that I really believe it truly is a part of the fabric of the city of Toronto. It, the musical roots of that station uh, form a part of the heritage and culture of this city. And I think for a few years now, it hasn't been doing that. And we want to bring that back in a big way and set the next, you know, the next uh, 100 years again to inspire other people to get into music and radio and to do that on 102.1 The Edge every morning. And if Rush could write a song about us now, yeah, that would be, that would be that'd great. That would be real helpful. <laughs> yeah. That would be real, real, real helpful. Uh, Shana, what perspective are you going to bring to this? I think it's about the intimate, the intimate connection. I think, I mean, I've been doing it for about nine years, and the connection you have with people when you're in their cars and in their lives the way radio is, to me, that's the spirit. And we're going to keep doing that. And we had so much support this morning from people who followed us down the highway, and we're going to grow that, just bigger and bigger connections with and, people. And to keep that intimate connection going, Chris has agreed to date every single listener. Yes. Everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to swipe right on everybody yeah. all day long. single yeah. words. Huh? Now, what's your preferred platform? You, are you a Bumble guy? I'm you a look, Tinder guy. Tinder. I'm the, oh, I'm the greasy guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Tinder all the look way. At him. Yeah. yeah, he is. You, yeah. Think this, you think this flow brushed itself? No. <laughs> Well, uh, it's uh, it, it, it's a, a monumental task, especially getting up at that time of the morning. And you guys, I've done that before. I had a morning show many times for five years, and it's like a kick in the gut every oh, morning God, when you get up. But then you got to come in there, you got to smile, right? I tell you this: there's an old, uh, old kind of Italian phrase my grandmother told me. Yeah, oh, no. cry yourself to sleep and cry yourself awake. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the how saddest thing I've that's, ever heard. Get you. That's he has the, only the worst way to, advice it's for good, life. It sounds better. By the way. It sounds real nice in Italian. No, uh, maybe. Real, a romantic language, language, so maybe if I said it in Italian, it would be better, but your listeners wouldn't understand it, Alan, so I didn't. I apologize, I guess, for all of yeah, this. Yeah, you really brought everything down, oh, Brody. Is, is, so is the entire show just sort of mocking each other and, you know, feeling bad because you're the BT? There's or? a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's an underdog story as well. Sure. We're the underdogs. It's like and, the Mighty Ducks. And there's also, listen, seven shows in seven years. Uh, that's a real thing. Wait we a could minute, be what? The, yes. You've had seven shows no, in seven years? No, there's been seven Oh, okay, more. no, not you guys, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real thing. We very well could be the eighth show. Yeah. Well, we're we the eighth. Yeah. We could we, be the eighth fired in eight years. Yeah. That's what we're worried about. We've put aside, we could have stayed in Hamilton for 20 years or until Ryan Seacrest, the robot, <laughs> took over all radio. I think that's pretty confident. We put it all on the line to come here and do this. There's a, there's a real aspect. That's a, as real as it gets, right? So there's that too. Uh, we have big goals and huge ambitions, and it could all blow up in our face. Uh, speaking with the new morning team for Edge 102.1, uh, you have to be careful what you say. One of the things I love to talk about are fake swear words. I got kids. You got to be able to, you know, you got to have the fake swear words. 
Do you have favorites fake swear words that you use? I like friggin'. It's right? very Canadian. Like, oh, just out playing friggin' stick and puck with the boys. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because I've been using that for a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. I just say I make up a word on the a sh- He oh, does. He makes shlark. up sounds. Like that. It sounds yeah. like a few things. It's not real. Yeah. Once in a while, though, you'll hit on an actual German swear word and get oh, a CBSC yeah. complaint. That's true. That, that's, I, I like hockey players like Jeremy Roenick. You know, that kind of has a kind of a swear <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like has a that. bit of, yeah. Yeah. You got any favorites? Uh, no. La- very last show we just did in Hamilton, I said frickin'. Uh-huh. And it F-R. came out. Yep. It came out to, because we were talking about the Mighty Ducks, and beside the word duck, it didn't sound so it, great. Oh, oh. So you know, I tend to stay now away completely from any words that well, Shauna, you just got Alan fired. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, wow. Okay, we were guests. Uh, mother of pearl. <laughs> Shauna, Chris, Jay, the B team. Thank you so much, and best of luck with Thank the new you. show. Thank you, brother.